Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. Once again, we're in these last couple of chapters of the Gospel of Mark, and all have to do with the last week of Christ's life and ministry. A lot of details. Uh, we don't always, in Easter season, don't always cover all of the details. Even when you go to a Good Friday service and they cover the last sayings of Christ, there's a lot of things that happen during this life, and we're, we always just skim the surface anyway, it seems like to me even though we get into more details perhaps than some others. Mark chapter 14, verse 43 through 52. Let me go ahead and read this section. And immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas. Now, he already predicted the betrayal of Judas. This is the account of the betrayal of Judas. While he spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now remember, he had already been, in the previous verses, been in the Garden of Gethsemane, probably a typical common place for Jesus to go, so Judas knew where he was. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him, and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him, and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword, and smote a servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Now we know from the other gospel account that that was the apostle Peter. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief, with swords and with staves, to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not, but the scripture must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled, and there followed him a certain young man, whom, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. In this passage of scripture, we're going to look at six different people. Uh, we're calling this the servant and his human character. Six studies in human character. Each one of them will give us a different study in human character. What does human nature do? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our human character is a wicked character. It is not a good character. As we mentioned this morning, it's not that we deserve good things. We deserve bad things. Punishment. And it's the grace of God that gives us the good things. Because our human character is flawed. So we come to the first one, and we're going to find Judas being the first example of human character. Now, Jesus already predicted his betrayal. So the first study in human character is the study of betrayal. 
you know, I think about that. We have Peter who denied the Lord. I guess that study's still coming up. That's going to happen yet. Jesus already predicted that in our study of Mark, but that will come up. And now we have the betrayal of Judas. Judas was not a believer. Peter was. However, I think that there can be, at least to some degree, a betrayal on our part as a believer. We would normally think that, well, it's the non-believer who's going to betray the Lord, one who says he's been following the Lord. And Sahid Abedini, we've been praying for him, is being asked to betray the Lord, to recount Christ, and to become a Muslim. He can't do that as a Christian, but I can think, I can imagine that under the power of persecution, a Christian could betray the Lord. Not going to lose your salvation, but betray the Lord. We certainly have Peter's example of denying the Lord, but the spirit of betrayal is there. So it's a danger for all of us. And Judas, of course, was a professed follower of Christ. He was a disciple like the other twelve in that he did many of the things that the disciples did. He, in fact, was the uh, treasurer of the little band of disciples. The Bible says he had the bag. But John 10.1 calls him a thief and a robber. We don't have the details about that, but he probably stole from that band uh, of disciples and robbed them, maybe perhaps robbed others, that usually begins with little things. I remember when I was a boy, we had uh, we, there was a couple of us that ran around together, and we had, I don't even remember which boy it was, but boys from the neighborhood, and we were like, what, two, three, four blocks from, I think it was a drugstore. One time, the one boy told us to wait outside of the store. He had done this a couple of times, and we didn't realize what he was doing. This particular time, when he came out, he came out with a store manager. He was stealing candy and giving it to us, and a little thing. So how's that little saying go? You know, you let the child steal the the little things, and then uh, he grows up learning how to steal the big things. And so probably this is the way it started with Judas, little things, and he became bolder and bolder to take more and more. And so the scripture there in John 10, 1 calls him a thief and a robber. And uh, so now he is betraying the Lord. And he's betraying the Lord. We already read the story where he went to the scribes and the priests and got 30 pieces of silver for him. Is that all of the value of him, of the Lord? But you think about How many, Judas betrayed the Lord, but how many disciples forsook the Lord? So did they all betray him? Hmm, interesting thought. All forsook him and fled. We'll read that in verse 50. How many stand for the Lord? The night is dark. They had the Lord's table. Jesus is out in the garden praying. And the disciples are falling asleep. Right? Remember the previous verses in the same chapter, chapter 14? Judas had gone to these uh, scribes and Pharisees and whatnot and came to the Lord in the middle of the night. So it's dark. 
I have some own my own ideas about that that these people really didn't know some of them really didn't know who Jesus was. Some of them would have, but they didn't and would not have recognized him in the darkness of the night. And they would not have had street lights or garden lights as they're in the garden to light the pathway. So Judas has to give them a sign, a token it's called in verse number 44. He that betrayed him had given them a token and the token was whomever I kiss. And so he marches up to the Lord Jesus and he says, Master, Master, that's strange. Here he is betraying the Lord and he's calling the Lord Master. And then he kisses him. And that was the sign that was given to these men. So he's standing before the Lord in the darkness of this night and he has to identify them. And I, my thought is that some of these people are just following along and they hear about Jesus. They don't really know who he is. Judas has to point him out to these folks. And so that's what he does. So the first study of human character is betrayal. I think we all have that potential. The second study comes in verse 46 of our text, Mark chapter 14, and verse 46. It says, They laid their hands on him and took him. Now we read from the other Gospels, this would be the scribes, the Pharisees, those who came with the Lord, or with Judas rather. So this is the character of abuse. They're physically abusing the Lord. They're laying their hands on him and taking him. Rude hands, abusive hands, unconcerned, neglectful, even violent. Mark doesn't give us a whole lot of details here, but if you compare the other Gospels, you discover some of the things that they did to our Lord Jesus by slapping him and, and of course, mocking him. So they laid hold on him. This is the character of abuse. We like to think of ourselves as sitting on the fence. Not really for the Lord, but not against Him either. I'm talking about the world in large. But if we're not for the Lord, we're against Him. Didn't Jesus say that? You're either for me or against me. So you're either going to accept Him or abuse Him. And when you abuse the Lord, you will then also abuse the followers of Christ. The typical way to present the human character today is not one of abuse but of goodness. You hear the reports when there's a situation in the news about somebody abusing somebody. What do they ask the neighbors? Or what do they ask the relatives or the people that worked with this person? Oh, he's got such a character, he wouldn't do that. Right? Isn't that what they say? Well, what's the Bible teach us about that? Our human character is an abusive character. Anybody can be abusive because we have a human wicked heart and a character that is abusive. Now, it needs to be tempered by the Lord, right? We move on in the text of Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 14, verse number 47. We find another character. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Again, we know from the other Gospels that that was the Apostle Peter that uh, did that. This is the character of being mistaken. Maybe there's a better way to say that. Peter along with the other disciples, thought that the Lord was going to bring in his kingdom. 
And uh, they were a little bit disillusioned when he was captured by this uh, group of religious leaders and didn't do anything uh, about it. I think you could probably say that Peter and the disciples were courageous. For whatever reason, Peter had a sword with him, and he drew out that sword, and uh, somebody suggested that he was trying to get the high priest's servant right between the eyes and missed and hit his ear. I don't know about that and how that exactly worked, but nonetheless, courageous, but mistaken, thinking that the Lord, and he was going to help the Lord out to bring in his kingdom. A true disciple, a true follower of the Lord. But then, as soon as the Lord was opposed, this disciple stood to his defense and said, I'll help you out. And, of course, Jesus tells him to put his sword away. He was ready. He's prepared to stand with his Lord. But he was mistaken. It wasn't time yet. His courage, of course, is commendable. But his method was mistaken. You don't fight the enemy with the swords. I think there might be a time and a place for that, but in a spiritual battle, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, Paul said in the book of Ephesians, but against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual warfare. And so he tried to attack and actually literally kill this enemy of Christ with physical force. And the physical force was not the way that Christ was operating. There was a time when he used that, when he made that scourge to drive out the uh, money changers out of the temple. Like John the Baptist, mighty in power, and I'm sure in voice as well, but not physically forcing people to do what he wants, but gentleness and love. So courage is needed, commendable for that, but it must be, and, and the zeal, the excitement for that, but it must be channeled in the right direction. So he was mistaken. So the character of this disciple was a, mistake, a mistaken character. We need to be careful in our lives that we have the right direction, that we move God's way instead of our way. There's a little, I think it's part of the verse, Zechariah 4.6, it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Zechariah 4, 6. So there's a, a great need for proper direction and not being mistaken about who Christ was and the time of Christ's kingdom. The kingdom was going to come. It's still future, but it wasn't now. Peter and the other disciples thought that now was the time to set up that kingdom. And so we have the character, a mistaken character. And then we look at the Lord Jesus. In our Gospel of Mark, verse number 48 and verse 49, Jesus responds to all of this. Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief, with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. That last phrase, particularly, this is the character of Christ, of course. This is the character of commitment. This is the character based on truth. Right? So the character of Christ. This is the kind of character we need to have. A committed character. Christ was giving this question, are you come out as against a thief? What's going on here? Why couldn't you have captured me 
at any time. Now, of course, I think about that and I read in the scriptures that it wasn't his time yet and Christ escaped out of their presence and, and uh, so forth, but there were ample opportunities, humanly speaking, for them to have captured the Lord. I think this is a cowardice, this is my opinion, way of doing it, coming in the middle of the night and uh, trying to uh, capture the Lord instead of coming to him in the midst of the crowd. There are times when it says that the, the religious leaders were fearful of the crowd. Uh, they didn't want to upset the crowd. So I think this is a cowardice movement for them. But there's obedience to the Lord, or obedience to the, the scriptures. The scriptures must be fulfilled, Jesus said. And it's, it's only through our own obedience to the Lord where we can fulfill the scriptures. So here's a character that we need, a character a characteristic of a commitment that we need to fulfill the scriptures. Of course, the scriptures prophesied that he would die and that he would give his life willingly, like the prophecy there in Isaiah 53, coming as the lamb to the slaughter, dumb before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. All of that willingness to go, to become the sacrifice, in John chapter 10, when Jesus is talking about the shepherd and the sheep, he says that I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. No man taketh it from me. This is verse 17, I believe. But I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. So nobody took his life as such. He gave his life willingly. Now, also when Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he mentions that Christ was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So nothing is taking God by surprise. All of this party that's coming to arrest him is all a part of God's command. And uh, you know, when Jesus was in the garden just in the previous verses, he's praying, Lord... Take this cup from me, if it be possible. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, what did he say? Not my will, but thine be done. So he was willing. And that commitment, that's the kind of character we need. That's good character. Alright, so now we're up to character study number 5. And that is verse number 50. It says, And they all forsook him and fled. These are the disciples. Now we want to ask the question, why did the disciples forsake him and flee? Were they cowards? You probably could say yes and no. Peter's standing there pulling out his sword and cutting off the high priest's servant's ear. Were they lacking courage? Mm, maybe, maybe not. You know, put yourself into their sandals. Where would you be in the middle of the night? You just were trying to spend some time praying with the Lord. You couldn't stay awake. What, could you not pray with me for one hour and then this group of men come to arrest the Savior and wouldn't you want to stand for him like Peter did? And yet, they all forsook him. It's like 180 degrees. What happened? Why did that take place? Why was Jesus now standing alone? If you think about the disciples... What Peter, and Peter's saying this later and actually in, what is it, Acts chapter 1... Are you going to restore your kingdom now? If they're expecting Christ to restore the kingdom and knew if he's the Messiah, then he could have called those 10,000 angels. He could have done something 
to miraculously free himself from this arrest. But he does nothing. As a lamb before his shears is dumb. And actually, Peter, I don't think it's in our text of Mark, is it? The other Gospels tell us that Jesus told Peter to put his sword away. Okay, so Peter's rebuked by the Lord. Now what? We're, you know, well, Lord, I'm standing up for you. Can you just imagine? Now all of a sudden he's, ooh, what's happening here? And things are happening rapidly, right? If you're like me, I'm not very good in a crisis situation because I don't think fast. I'm a slow thinker. Uh, I was always that way. We took math tests. I'd get the right answer, but you had to give me some time. I couldn't pop up the answer. I was not real good at those, uh, what do you call those, flashcards. I couldn't flash the answer right back to you. So I'm a little slow when it comes to that. And I'm that way when I'm conversing with someone. I can do it when I'm preaching because I have an outline and I have some notes and I know what I'm saying. Of course, often the Lord calls to mind different things and, you know, been preaching for a while and so on and so forth. But I wasn't that way when I first started preaching. But if I'm talking to somebody that's unplanned, I don't have an outline, I don't know where I'm going, and they ask a question or they make a comment, and I think, well, you know, I need to bring the Lord in here, weave some kind of something spiritual into this conversation, and I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to think this through, I've got to plan this out here, and by that time we're off talking about something else. I'm just not that fast thinking to do that. These disciples, this is all happening so quickly. And, you know, I'm trying to put myself into the disciples' position here, but it's like they change. They're courageous one moment, and now they're moving away. I think we can say that they are lacking faith, but they're also carnal. And so I'm going to call this, this fifth study, the study of carnality. Human character is carnal. It's fleshly. What did Peter want? What did the other disciples want? They were all about themselves, weren't they? They were concerned about what they could get out of this whole kingdom business. So they were worldly and materialistically minded. You remember what they said to Jesus? Who is it that's going to sit on your right hand and your left hand when you come into your kingdom? That's the way they were thinking. You wonder sometimes when it says that the fishermen... Peter, James, and John, and the others that were fishermen, they left all and followed Jesus. You wonder, why did they do that? Are they following Jesus because of what they thought they could get from him? We know the crowd was that way. He fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000, he healed the sick, he uh, gave sight to the blind, and people followed him for what they could get from him. We're carnal. We're looking out for ourselves. We're not looking out for the country or for what's the best for the country, we're looking out for what's best for us. That's not the right way to vote in church or in the community. You need to look out for what is right and do what is right. But we're carnal. That's human character. That's human nature. And so these disciples, they forsook him and they fled. They went a different way because their minds were elsewhere. Let's go to Second Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. 2 Peter 3.18. Now, Peter had been warning in his book about the second coming of the Lord. He calls it the day of the Lord, that it should not overtake you as a thief in the night. You should be ready for it. So, ye therefore, 2 Peter 3.17, 
Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, because Peter's teaching them, you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a key, there's an answer, there's a problem and an answer there. The problem, you have a wicked heart, you can follow the error of the wicked, you can fall from your own steadfastness, you have a commitment to follow the Lord, but you can, you know, Peter said that, didn't he? Peter said, we'll follow you, even unto death I will follow you, but they forsook him and fled. So he fell from his own steadfastness. What's the answer? Verse 18 is the answer. Grow. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep on growing. Don't forsake. Don't quit when the going gets tough. How's the old saying go? When, when the, the road gets rough, the tough get going? Something like that. I didn't say it right, but anyway. So the fifth study is the study of carnality in human nature. There's another one. Back in our text, Mark 14, verses 51 and 52. This is an interesting 51 and 52. And there followed him a certain young man. I don't think this is recorded in any other of the Gospels. There followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. Now Mark doesn't tell us who this young man is. Many think it is Mark himself. John Mark. John Mark, who also followed the Apostle Paul and forsook him. And having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, the young man laid hold on him. Okay, he was following close enough, so they laid hold on him. And later we're going to read about Peter. Aren't you one of him? Peter kind of follows afar off. And uh, so they're probably grabbing this young man and saying, you must be one of them. Why was he following the Lord there? Was there more than just the twelve disciples that had gathered together in the garden to pray with the Lord Jesus? But this young man was there, a certain young man, And uh, the young men that were around laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. This might give us a little bit of indication of what took place in verse 50, when they all forsook him and fled. When they arrested Jesus, perhaps now they are also trying to arrest the disciples that are following with him. And so the threat of arrest would cause the disciples to forsake him. So whoever this young man is, This is the character study of desertion. The young man became terror-stricken when he was confronted and attacked by the others. Again, we're suggesting this is Mark, the Gospel writer, John Mark, who later appears with the apostles. His mother would have been Mary, if you look at Acts 12.12, who lived in Jerusalem, so it could possibly be this young man. And then we also see the details of the accounts point to Mark, as an eyewitness, he uses two different words for the kiss that is in this passage of Scripture. In Mark 14.44, Judas said, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same is he. That is the word for the embrace that they normally did in that day. But the kiss in verse number 45 is a different word that has the idea of more of an intimate kiss, which is kind of a paradox because Judas is not intimate with the Lord. He's betraying the Lord at this very time. But Mark is recording that, so those words tell us that he may have been an eyewitness of this account. And then the trait of fleeing from Jesus 
when the going gets rough is the same picture that we uh, find presented in the book of Acts when John Mark, Acts chapter 13 and 15, when John Mark left the disciples. So, we have these six character studies. The character of betrayal with Judas, the character of abuse with those who come to arrest the Lord, the character of a mistaken identity and the mistaken thoughts about who Christ was and what he was doing, that's uh, Peter and the other disciples, the character study of commitment that is demonstrated by Christ, that's a good one, the character study of carnality with all the disciples forsaking him and the character study of desertion by this young man being uh, confronted and terror-stricken. So we need to watch our human character, the servant and his human character. Pull out the one about commitment and use that one. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. (laughs) 